0: Hey, this is Kat, and I'm just jumping in here to give you a heads up for tonight's episode. It may be triggering for some because it talks about automobile accidents and death. You may want to tune out of this episode if this subject is sensitive to you or if you have young ones around. Thanks for being a listener, and we'll catch you on a less traumatic episode. Maybe the sea monsters of the Ohio River or Bigfoot, something fun like that. Anyway, see you around, and thanks for listening. Imagine, if you will, traveling down a deserted highway late at night when a person steps onto the roadway. Before you can swerve away, you hit them, feeling their impact. Looking in your rearview mirror, you see a body laying on the road and you start to panic. Then, the body leaps up and attempts to crawl on top of your car as you floor it towards Cincinnati. Tonight, we are retelling the history and legends of the faceless hitchhiker of Deadman's Curve in Claremont County. and welcome to another wonderful episode of the cincinnati cabinet of curiosities presents the hometown haunts podcast i'm your host cat Loco, and along with me on this exploration into the world of the fringe history and spooky surroundings are jen kohler and christina wald ah yes they're they're with me and they'll be on in a little bit you can stay up to date with us on the show by following us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and Sincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And also, don't forget to join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. Of course, we're dying to hear about your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. And if you have a story, send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share it with our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. You can find our podcast where you listen and watch our show feed. <laughs> Sorry. My dog is distracting me. You can find our podcast where you listen and you can watch our show feed on YouTube. Just find us by searching Cincinnati Cabin of Curiosities. Please take a moment to rate and review us on the show platform so other spooky story lovers like yourself can find the show. Of course, link in the show notes. So, do you want to note, I have a dog in the room with me. That is not a ghost that you hear huffing in the background. <laughs> okay, just so that our... We have some very keen-eyed listeners that will point out every time something sounds amiss, and I really appreciate it, which is why I take the time to say, Mickey is in the room with me. So if you see a little black shadow in the background, that is not a ghost. That's my dog. So show notes or show news. Sorry, everyone. You can meet us at the inaugural Highland Heights Comic Con this Saturday, March 18th, 2023. It'll be held at the Northern Kentucky University Student Union, and parking will be available across the street at the Kenton Garage. Christina will have illustrations for sale, while I'll have copies of the Cincinnati Captain of Curiosities for sale at the Corpse Flower Press table. So, that's our fun, exciting news. I'm looking forward to this convention. Christina, what will you have for sale? I know you'll have illustrations.
1: I honestly don't know yet. I don't know if I'm going to sell anything or not. I'm going to be also occupying the NKU table and handing out pamphlets about their arts program, so I might just put some books on display so I don't have to mess with selling anything. (laughs) I haven't decided yet. I might just make my table a display for some of my artwork and some of my books, Mm -hmm. and I was whether I wanted to get a banner made or not. And I don't know. I haven't decided yet. So it will be a surprise. So okay. whatever's there, it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise table. <laughs> surprise it'll be a surprise. Table table. Table. Yeah. And there might be some, I, I, we're going to have a slideshow of student art and student video. Uh, myself and Tom Capizzi will be there mm-hmm. as representatives for NKU. So nice. come by and say hi.
0: Yeah. Fun. Yes. Come by and say hi. So. Tonight's show, the phantom face <laughs> sorry, the phantom faceless hitchhiker of Dead Man's Curve. So there are a lot of sources for tonight's show. We start with the Claremont Sun, the Cincinnati Inquirer, The Times Recorded, The New jo- News Journal, Ohio Folklore Podcast, Ohio Exploration Society, Cincinnati Haunted Handbook by Jeff and Michael Morris, Cincinnati Ghosts by Karen Lavin, Creepy Cincinnati, Wikipedia, The Times Recorder, The Big Book of Ohio Ghost Stories by James Willis is the final one. So There's a lot, a lot of reading of articles for tonight's show. It was fun. I enjoy doing it. I got to geek out about ghosts. So here we go. Established in 1831, the Ohio Pike 125 connected many of the towns of southwestern Ohio. Starting in Cincinnati, the Ohio Pike would wound its way through the forests and hills until it finds its eastern terminus just outside Friendship, Ohio. However, it is a stretch of Ohio 125 that meets with Ohio 222 at the crest of a hillside in Bantam, Ohio, that has become a site of local ghost lore and has been given the moniker Dead Man's Curve and also the most haunted place in Ohio. Even during its early days, that curve on the hill on Ohio 125 was known as a spot of death and accidents. If taken too quickly, wagons, carriages, or even those on horseback could not navigate the curve and saw themselves toppling down the slope below. Residents and travelers pleaded with local authorities to fix the curve, but it was not done, even when paved and turned into a two-lane road in 1926. It wasn't until 1968, when the road was widened into a four-lane divided highway, that a notorious curve was straightened out and the problem presumed fixed. Now take a moment to note that although this curve was notorious for deaths and accidents, there were no hauntings associated with it. That changed in October of 1969. According to legend, five teenagers were driving around Dead Man's Curve when they were hit by a green roadrunner speeding over 100 miles per hour. Four of the five teenagers were killed, and ever since, the notorious ghostly black shadow man has haunted the area chasing cars, hailing from phantom rat for phantom rides, and has been seen limping along the roadside ever since. Although the hauntings are widely reported, and we'll get to that soon, I wanted to shed some light on who the victims of this accident were. Some of the information here is taken from a local newspaper articles at the time, and some from a survivor of the accident recalling it 25 years later. That Saturday night, October 18th, 1969, a two-door Chevy Impala carrying driver William Bill Thomas Kasky, 18, from Batavia, and Danny Allen Dobbs, 18, from Amelia, and a friend named Rick, with the last name abbreviated as R, presumed to be also 18, also from Batavia, were driving down Route 125. They had been watching a football game at Goshen, Presumably high school, and were driving back at 1.20 a.m. when Rick suddenly felt ill and wanted to go home. Bill turned the car around at a stop sign at Dead Man's Curve, and when pulling out of the stop, was broadsided by an eastbound 1969 Plymouth Roadrunner with no lights on. Police later estimated that the car's speed was between 120 to 140 miles per hour. Only one person survived the wreck from the Impala, a man named Rick. By most accounts, It was after this accident that the dead man's curve truly became haunted. As Rick describes to author Chris Woodyard for their book, Haunted Ohio 3, Still More Ghostly Tales from the Buckeye State in 1994, ever since that accident, a dead black black figure of a man in a three-dimensional silhouette has haunted that location ever since. According to Rick, he has seen the thing, as he calls it, six times in the 25 years as of 1994 since the accident. He had seen it chase his car, along with encountering a green roadrunner twice on the road and once on 275 between Loveland and Montgomery exits. What Rick failed to mention in that interview is that the accident also killed another, 15-year-old Connie Connors of Feesburg. She is never mentioned in the lore, but was a passenger of the Plymouth Roadrunner that hit Bills Impala. Paula. She was also, as I'm going to stress, The passenger, which means two people from this accident actually survived, the other being the driver of the Plymouth Roadrunner. They are never named. So this brings the ghost stories. Most ghost stories focus on the stretch from 125 from Old State Road 125 to 222 South to South Bantam Road. That's an important point because of stuff I'm going to tell you a little bit later. Basically, there are two different intersections of t- 222 with o- with Route 125. According to Shane Reinhardt, a filmmaker who made the documentary True Ghost Stories from Ohio with Richard Crawford, the intersection is allegedly built over Shawnee Burial Ground. So we're starting off strong, and I use strong sarcastically, with an Indian burial ground story associated with this urban legend. I shake my head. Anyway, that's just editorializing here from me. So a ghostly image of a Chevy Impala has been seen traveling along 125 as well as an eerie green 1969 Roadrunner, both cars involved in the crash. However, when witnessed, they disappear. Phantom wagons, carriages, and antique cars have also been witnessed driving down the road only to vanish into thin air. The faceless hitchhiker, a.k.a. The Thing, as Rick R. called it, is the most famous and infamous ghost witnessed in the area. Described as a three-dimensional shadow man, occasionally it does sport baggy jeans, a blue shirt, and long hair. However, the hitchhiker's defining trait is that it has no face. Witnessed in the early morning hours between 1.20 and 1.40 a.m. around the time of the accident, the ghost cars also tend to show up more often at these times according to the encounters. The Faceless Hitchhiker has also been seen numerous times emerging from the tree line along the roadway near Dead Man's Curve. The Faceless Hitchhiker has been known to appear behind then chase vehicles stopped at the red light at the intersection of 222 South and Ohio 125. The Faceless Hitchhiker has appeared walking or limping around Dead Man's Curve by witnesses, and it also... It's been known to pelt cars with rocks or pebbles that are stopped at the red light. Many people have run over the faceless hitchhiker only for him to jump back up from behind the car and chase after it. Psychics who have tried to communicate with their spirit has called them evil and requested to get out of the area. A famous or infamous experience reported with the faceless hitchhiker comes from Rig R the survivor of the accident and retold in Woodyard's Yard's book in 1994. As he explains, his friend was driving her mother's station wagon around 1:20 AM when the hitchhiker appeared out of the tree line and threw itself in front of her car in an attempt to block it. She hit the phantom hitchhiker and a few and felt a few bumps like running over a speed bump. She stopped the station wagon, backed up to see if she hit anyone, and when the phantom put that's when the phantom jumped up and put its foot on the trunk, grabbed the luggage rack, and attempted to climb up on top of the car. She then floored it, leaving the phantom behind. So, these are the ghost stories from Dead Man's Curve. Is there any is there someone or something haunting Dead Man's Curve? Many of the witnesses believe there are. So be careful while driving driving along Eastbound, Ohio 125 at 1.30 a.m. You may just have an experience with the phantom faceless hitchhiker of Dead Man's Curve or a deer. So I do want to dedicate this episode to what I call the girl forgotten, who is Connie Connors. We've just talked about all the ghost stories associated with this. But what threw me for a loop when doing this research was the fact that Connie is not included at all in any of the folklore. None of the books that I cited, no article that I read included Connie. It actually acted as if it was a ghostly um, roadrunner that had hit the Impala is how a lot of times these cars are approached. I did find the articles in the Cincinnati Enquirer, and I think it's a Times recorder, that actually report on this incident. They are part of one of the deadliest weekends for motor accidents in the state of Ohio, which was October 17th through October 19th, 1969, where an estimated 40 people died in car accidents across the state. It's actually one of the articles that I cited. There's only... Three articles that I could find where this accident was cited. One of them is a larger article. The other two are very tiny, not even a paragraph mentioned. The third one, which is actually only a paragraph, mentions Connie Connors having passed away and being the third victim. So I find it interesting that she is also the only female and only minor that died and is not actually mentioned in any of these stories. Also, I do wonder, and this is only my paranormal brain thinking here, that maybe the ghost that everyone is seeing is not of a man, but of a girl who has been largely forgotten by history and is demanding to be remembered somehow. And by chasing cars and throwing rocks at them and making phantom cars show up is a good way of staying relevant in today's urban legend talks. So I thought I would ask you guys or ladies, what uh, you have, what your thoughts are about this case?
2: Creepy. You, you know, we're there tonight.
0: <laughs> You're I, ready I to film. Huh? Yeah, you are.
1: <laughs> you know, it's interesting because young people often, because they're inexperienced drivers. I mean, every high school has stories of people in. I mean it seems like those are the worst wrecks because they pack a lot of kids into the car Mm -hmm. and I have a a woman I used to work with she lived in New Richmond and was in a wreck where I think they had like seven people in the car and she and one other person were the only ones that survived and I know in my high school like the quarterback of our team died in a wreck where his car threw him and then another girl that was in my art class her brother was in a wreck where two or three people died it's was I don't know if it's gotten better. It seems like kids don't drive as much as they did,
2: mm-hmm. but well, there are laws about that now because of accidents yeah. like that.
1: Well, yeah. when we moved here, I'm surprised North Bend's not haunted, and maybe it is. If you've heard of haunted North Bend stories, let me know because there was a burnt when we first moved here, there was a really bad wreck about a quarter mile down the road and it was a similar wreck where there were seven kids in the car and it was a burnt spot there for like six months to a year after that where it had immolated and i think everybody died in that accident and then just two years ago like people die in front of our house you know on north bend in front of our house all the time like a motorcycle accident happened two years ago and people hit the poles like like at least once a year one of those poles gets knocked out
2: no no when did the law pass that seatbelts were required um, 70s right it was no 70s? i
0: remember that in my lifetime and people whining about it yeah so at so, least in indiana it's going to be the early 90s okay
2: so in 69 they didn't have seatbelts which probably well they did okay there were
0: seatbelts it was your option to use them oh gotcha Okay. so um i actually put up in our own group chat the photos of the impala they almost look exactly the same to people mm-hmm. with untrained car knowledge and ironically the two photos that i pulled they're both green um it's interesting that the original reco- like the interview with rick he does not mention a green impala there is no green actually mentioned in any of the articles and i find it interesting that the driver of the impala is never mentioned uh, not the impala the um um roadrunner so whoever connie was with mm-hmm. is never mentioned never named never even told where they're from i don't know what her relationship was the person with the person who was driving i don't know if it was a, a sibling a boyfriend girlfriend i don't know yeah. and that's one of the sad things with the story is that The people who would have known have probably aren't going to tell their stories either. They fast away, or they're just not going to. Yeah. And there's not a lot of documentation. There's some, but not a lot. So if anyone is from the area that knows the story and can help fill in blanks, um, that would be great. Just write into hometownhauntedmail@gmail.com. So. It looks like
1: Ohio's had seatbelt laws since. 1986 okay Okay. and indiana i know that's that's later than i thought yeah um let's see indiana was 1987 so
2: i have two car accident stories one Mm. my mom when she was a kid was and she was born in the 50s she was driving with her grandfather her and some of her cousins and there was a car accident and the car rolled and everybody was fine, but there were no seat belts. And she it terrified her. She just remembers kind of rolling around in there, I think. And then when we were kids, uh, we were coming back from my grandma's in Illinois to St. Louis, and mom had put the back seats down so they were flat. And we my sister and I were just laying in the back like that. And we got into a car accident, we slid and I don't know if we hit something. We might have just hit a guardrail. But the cop, the cop that came to our rescue, our, our aid, kind of chewed my mom out for not having us in seatbelts. And that was mid mid eighties. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could it could end up so much worse? And I remember packing all my friends into my car in the nineties without seatbelt. Yeah. We'd yeah. sit on each other's laps. Squeeze all in there.
1: Oh yeah, I had friends that yeah. like on purpose would do donuts in parking lots. And oh yeah, with the
0: car. I did squeeze like, well, riding right like the hood. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, I had uh, skaters grab onto the back of because I was driving an SUV at the time on the back windshield wiper. When we take off, we on the back bumper. Mm-hmm. I almost flipped that car. Also, one time doing donuts in the parking school. Oh parking no, lot. yeah. After that, I stopped doing shit like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: No, it's, I've only been involved in one car accident. No, two car accidents so far. Thank goodness. Knock on wood. There are no more. Um, one of them, I was like in Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my Girl Scout leader had rented one of those gigantic, creepy white vans, but it had windows. And it, you, you can have like, what was it? Three rows of seating. And we were driving through Chicago for some trip. And somebody rear-ended us, but almost totaled their car because they had basically run into a tank. Mm-hmm. But I remember feeling the impact and everyone going forward and then going back. Ooh. But it was the mid-90s, mid to late nineties, everyone had their seatbelts on at this time. Yeah. And then another one, I ironically, I was going to a funeral, this was maybe a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And somebody um we had stopped to turn left at the funeral home and the large suv behind us decided that she didn't want to stop and plowed into our trunk and she wanted to visit my backside really hard oh, really God. really hard so um didn't, didn't stop at all she did not stop at all she slammed right into us oh, so that was that was a mess uh um, yeah. we were in shock during the funeral I and bet. i discovered that the way that my body goes into shock is to start laughing uncontrollably oh, no. so i was at a funeral trying not to uh laugh at things it i it was a bare naked ladies song come to life if you know one week yeah uh, the, the, anyway if people if know the a, song they know the song anyway
1: there's a <laughs> british sitcom that had an episode about that yeah. laughing, laughing inappropriately
0: yeah it that I was that, that was also. me so it, not that i meant to i felt really bad for the family cuz i was not laughing at them we were in uh-huh. shock cuz yeah. we were um we missed the actual funeral and got to only go to the wake because we were processing with police yeah. <laughs> the car in front of of the funeral home oh, so
2: God, i haven't do, i'm hmm. sorry go ahead
0: no my little quick thing was i do remember when Seatbelt laws were enacted my dad drove a jeep cherokee and he smoked and i remember being smaller and basically backseat driving him and saying daddy now we have to wear seat belts. That's what they're telling me in school. And him with a cigarette <laughs> hanging out of his mouth and his like fishing shirt going, all right, Kate. And then just like <laughs> grabbing it and then shoving it into the oh. little clicker and belting himself up. And he's like, see? And I'm like, yay, we can go now. <laughs> so, yeah, grumpy dad smoking oh, in a car.
2: My, my dad, car. we drove, he drove a two seat pickup, tr- Nissan pickup truck. So when he would pick my sister and I up for his visits, I was the lucky person that got to sit in the middle on the emergency break. Oh, that's that's so fun. And my sister got the seat.
0: No. Um,
2: Sometimes dad would put a towel or something down for me to sit on. But yeah, Yeah. it was fun. Thankfully, we never got into a car accident, though.
1: Yeah, that's good. The story, though, I mean, it is really scary. The idea of someone climbing on your car and I know,
2: yes. like, what's what's it trying to do? Does it want to come home with you? I mean, how many it...
0: story? That's this is the most
1: aggressive, I think, story that
0: it you've it is very ever aggressive described. for a ghost story, mm-hmm. and um, I, it's one of those things where it's a fantastic story to retell, and I could see this. This story has kept the Phantom, or I, I don't want to call it the Phantom Hitchhiker, yeah. but the Dead Man's Curve Phantom Hitchhiker, I guess. Um, it's kept it alive for so many years. I mean, this accident have, happened in 1969, and that area was already known for being haunted. It's one of the first things, when you look up haunted places of Cincinnati, it's in the list along with the Cincinnati Music Hall. This is I how know. infamous this particular incident wow. and everything is that's why it struck me is so odd that not all the victims are ever named in the story and as yeah. a folklorist that's a very interesting little detail to admit out of the story and also as a folklorist a lot of this story is being retold by rick for the 1994 edition of um there's a haunted ohio so Basically, every single iteration that has come since has been a retelling of Rick's story, sometimes remembering to give Rick due for his interview with Chris. Some don't. Um, And he is listed as one of the people, one of the passengers in the Impala in one of the first articles, but it's only by his initials RR. And then they only attribute him as being one year old because they would put the name of the victim and then in brackets their age. And it's it's uh, Danny Dobbs, and then it says in brackets eighteen, and then R.R. in brackets one. And (laughs) I'm looking at this, I'm like, that's a typo. That has to be a typo. I'd say so um, because and the other thing, and this is a big thing, is that only three people died, not a car full of teenagers. It it was one of the first things that struck me was there weren't five people in that car. There were five people total. And and, and, like there there was Danny, Bill and Rick in the Impala, Connie and her driver in the Roadrunner. And out of that, three of them died. And not, it looks like at the same time, they didn't all die instantly because um, uh, Danny is not listed in the first article as died at the scene he seems to have died maybe a day later because he's listed in the October 20th article as being a victim, but not in the October 19th article as being a victim. So I'm going to assume this is me speculating that he died somewhere in that 24 hours between the incident and when the articles were written um, or that second article was written. So um, did
1: any of these have dates of the sightings?
0: No, and that's also what makes it really feel like folklore is that there's really no information except for the initial accident. And that one, even the date is cited wrong in the retellings. All of them say it's October 19th, which was a Sunday. And in reality, this happened in the early mornings of October 18th because they were coming back from a Friday night football game.
2: Are uh, police reports from back then public I could not, not find now. them and
0: Claremont like County does not. And that was one of the things I was trying to find was how many accidents happen there. How many of them are fatal and what, how it fluctuates every single year. Karen Lavin in her book states that there were on average 70 accidents every year. And her book came out in around 2008, mm-hmm. but she doesn't source where that site came from, right, where that citation came from. Um. It, creepy cincinnati also actually called up the sheriff's department and asked and they said between um uh, 2008 to 2011 there were 25 accidents that were fatal there i think oh. that was what it was on their website creepycincinnati.com if you look up their article on it he rick ironically is the name <laughs> of the man who runs it um he states he called the sheriff's office and asked and that was his figures at the time i tried to look up the most recent figures they have were in 2021 and they're not by location or by date or by type it is just the case number and you just have to open the case number look at the file read through the file kind of make a spreadsheet figure out what the tally is and all that there it's not easily um aggregated already yeah. And I am sorry, everyone, for as much as I love the podcast, for as much as I love folklore and looking at data, I do not have the time to do that. So um, <laughs> I did not do that. I'm sorry, everyone, I let you down. But uh, if you look up just any news site and just put in the intersection of um, one uh, Ohio 125 with Ohio uh, 222 South with, um, oh, what is it, the... Uh, street uh you there's a basically a mile and a half where there's just a ton of accidents all the time and uh it's uh interesting how that always happens i did i'm I'm looking for the um bantam south bantam road south bantam road and 125 also have a lot of accidents there was one just recently that killed another three people and like just maybe i don't want to go
2: out there no
0: it's it's pretty dangerous so my rec- and also the the police officers did say there are also a lot of deer strikes there people run into deer a lot on that road so i guarantee you at 1 in the morning you're more likely to run into a buck than you are into the ghost but it does make it super spooky because there is just a stoplight and that's the only thing illuminating anything yeah it is very spooky
1: Well, that was people of Earth when people thought they hit a deer, but it was really UFOs.
0: Yeah, I like that. Also, I do want to note, and I'm not sure if I included it in the final draft of our outline. I am scrolling down to see. I did not. Oh, I did. I made this. Okay. Ha. So I wanted to note that 222 actually intersects 125 twice. And this has thrown off a lot of people when in search of the ghost. So, and they intersect twice within a one and a half miles of each other. (laughs) Uh, The first intersection is two twenty two north with one twenty five. The second is an intersection with one twenty five old one twenty five and two twenty two south. And that's where that's actually where I suspect it, the Dead Man's Curve originally was. However, old Dead Man, old hmm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Old Ohio 125 is where the actual dead man's curve was. And that is at the southern edge of the eastern east 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 fork state park. So what happened is around a lot of uh articles. This was another inaccuracy that I found. A lot of articles said in 1968 was when they widened the road. But if you actually look at ODOT, it says 1972. So um, I'm a little confused about this. It could be 68 is when they started construction and 72 is when they finished. but what they actually did was rerouted 125 to a straight area, which is actually where the accident that killed Connors and uh, Billy and Danny was at. But um, so that had to have been 68. Anyway, sorry.. Um, they made it a straightaway, but they uh, just bypassed the original old 125. So the original 125 is only about a mile long, but you can go visit it. And there's a, the East Fork State Park Hotel, I think, is still located off of it. So it's still accessible. And that would be the historic one where all the buggies and the carry the wagons and the horses were all falling off the hill. That would be that one. So, and the new one is just where all the modern high speed accidents are happening. So, that entire area is haunted by cars and wagons.
2: Man, I want to go out there, but kind of not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to see pictures of it. I mean, I, I, I mean, you could look it up on Google Earth, though. Uh, it's just, I swear, like when we were driving around. Claremont County a few weeks ago, we drove a portion of 125. We did. Oh, yes. Wow. It, we did. We, we did. Actually, and we drove a portion of 222, but we were 222 north, not 222 hmm. south. So if we had continued going south, we would have actually run into this dead man's curve.
2: You know what? Maybe mm-hmm. I'll drive out there during the day. Maybe I should get a, a phone mount for my phone and just record the whole drive. That would be good in that way. That awesome. Have, I'll put it in the footage. Bother with, you know, trying to take pictures or whatever. I can just concentrate on the road.
0: Yeah, do that. That
2: would be
1: awesome. I would love to see that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure I've driven it many times. I'm surprised I've never heard this
2: exact story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember hearing, I don't remember the specifics of it, of a double's backbone or a double's curve or something. And this was years and years ago in Cincinnati, but I never really, I like read it once and never thought of it again. But
0: there's a dead man's curve in Cleveland for eighty ninety. Okay. Um, that I re- I remember being spooked by and delighted by when I was a kid because we would be going to visit family in Cleveland, and that ghost story is basically a motorcyclist slammed into the overpass. Ooh. wall and his face is permanently haunting the wall so when you drive going westward and you pass by the wall you can see where his face is and he's watching
2: you Ooh. oh that's creepy yeah I, like it? i
0: said i was delighted by it <laughs> but i was a teenager when i read that story yes. i think that's another chris woodyard story but yeah did you see it though um I'm going to chalk this one up to pareidolia, where it looks, the staining of the wall, the way it Mm -hmm. forms, makes it look like a human face. Because, honestly, (laughs) just armchair forensics here. If he was driving fast and slammed into that wall, he would not have a face to making an imprint with. It would just be a blood smudge. That's true, actually. Yeah, so it it, and also it would be too small for anybody driving at any speed. I think you're supposed to be going around 40 miles per hour at that curve, maybe 35. Um, You're not paying attention to a wall. You're looking at the road. And even if you're a passenger, you're driving by so quickly. I don't think you would see an actual human sized face. It'd be pareidolia of the wall to make it look like it's the entire face. But it's a delightfully spooky story about. It Cleveland. really is. Yeah. I, I
1: mean, I, if anyone has had this happen where some ghost has climbed on your car, I want to. I want to hear this. Mm-hmm. Same. I Yeah. Mean, this is like.
0: It's dramatic.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this is a lot more than just like you know feelings or seeing faces or whatever. When something's like scaling your car, that's yeah, like, like the, 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 the hookman hook story. That's exactly the story I was yeah. thinking as well. I mean that's yeah. like in that territory. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's it, this really is urban legend, isn't it?
0: It feels like urban legend. Um it, it associated with a very tragic story, an accident. But we retell it and as I've said in previous episodes, we attach urban legends to terrifically terrible incidents so that we never forget them and repeat what happened yeah. so this seems to be another incident just like amy of lick road if you have not listened to that episode we were surprised by that deep dive into the history where that was basically a serial killer dumping ground and uh yeah jen do you remember that episode yes, we I did. cried through that episode so yes for our listeners you'll hear us sad talking and crying but one of the um victim's mother's does continue to uh, support her daughter. that is my dog. and um it just uh, commemorate her every year, yeah at her birthday. so I mean,
2: the whole area there mm-hmm. is could, it, just the visuals of it is rife for horror stories, honestly. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: so uh, is this type of story where like you have somebody climbing your car? Is this an urban legend that's in other places too? And has anyone? I have never
0: heard of it happening anywhere else. Hmm. Now, a vanishing hitchhiker, yes, that is super, super common and is in a lot of different cultures and has been for thousands of years. Um, the stranger, it's, the wanderer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's. I, I mean, White the Greeks event. had a warning about crossroads for this reason. That's the dead were always buried outside of, on outside the city at crossroads for this reason because there's the ghostly hitchhikers um well not for that reason but you know they, they all hung out together the dead outside the city walls anyway um <coughs> crosswords um sorry random thought um but i i remember no are the faceless ones from japanese mythology and they've also crossed crossed into hawaiian mythology and those are face faceless people and in those cases, they're just pranksters. Um, the one in Hawaii haunts a movie theater's women's restroom <laughs> and just loves to shock patrons that are using the restroom by just turning to them and like acting as if they are doing their makeup and then turning around and there's no face. And um, just scaring oh, the patrons of this. Restroom in a movie theater um and in Japan it's even in the Edo period, which would have been around the 1800s there are stories of uh wandering travelers like you're you're walking miles and miles and miles a day through forests and there'll be a traveler that will walk with you and misguide you and and you turn around and look at them and they have no face ah so yeah that it's
2: that would ruin your day that would, that would ruin would. your day. Mm-hmm. Especially walking in the woods. I don't know about so much at the movie theater, but definitely mm-hmm. it would be weird at a movie yeah. theater.
0: I would just hate the only place I would not like to encounter a ghost is in a bathroom.
1: Mm.
0: Cause those are, those are, I don't There's know about movie. you, but to me, I don't want to call them sacred spaces as in they're holy. They're <laughs> sacred as in, I respect the space mm. because it's personal time. Yeah. And I don't want to be disturbed by a ghost during my personal time yeah so um it's i ghosts people running into ghosts at the sinks or in mirrors in a bathroom art they don't scare me but i'm just like no thank you i pass on that Mm
2: -hmm. i like to think if i'm ever a ghost and haunting people i would do stuff like that just to mess with people
0: i'm sure you will (laughs) wow that sounds too much of a promise
2: (laughs) it does sound like a promise
1: So haunt
0: everyone in the dark rooms at photography schools.
1: Speaking of haunting, haunting, we have a
2: hometown haunt this week. Yes. Yes. And do you want to read it, Jen? Sure. I'll read it since you read last time. Yeah. All right. This is from Sarah. I am teaching an art class in an old mansion in Covington that was used as an art club by a philanthropist from the turn of the century. She has probably never left. Lights have been known to appear in upstairs windows. Computer speakers turn on randomly. Doors open and slam without any vibration or draft. This recent incident happened on a day I was teaching a class and the door opened gently but deliberately. I got the vibe. She was interested in what we were doing and decided to look in. In general, I found her to be rather friendly and curious, but she doesn't appear to appreciate it when children are louder or disrespectful disrespectful hence the occasional door slam that's kind of cool that is, cool. That's that is really
0: cool and i
2: know exactly where she's encountering this ghost exactly exactly have you seen it Kat? have you been there and seen it i have been
0: there i have been there for the pottery sale that they have once a year or they used to have once a year i'm not sure if they still do it for, yeah, they have a lot
2: of drawing classes there and yeah stuff. And, do we uh, want to name the place or no should we not Let's not name it.
0: Cause she didn't name it
2: in here. Okay. Yeah. But
0: Someday I hope we can do an episode on it. Yeah. We can go there and visit and hopefully t- talk to people that work there. But um, yeah, when I was there, I had a suspicion that the place was haunted. I didn't actually go inside the building cause it was a nice day. And okay. so all the pottery was outside. That was for sale. Very little okay. that was inside. And I was just like, there's somebody here and which was weird because I'm I, I turned to Mike and I'm like, there's somebody here. And there's like hundreds of people around here in my pottery. And he's just like, Yeah. Yeah, no, that's duh. great production there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, that's not what I meant. You know what I meant. And it's just like, yeah, he's I know like, what I I don't want, want, to want to hear it. it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what I saw her, and I've I don't know the history too well of this place. But when I saw her, she was in one of the rooms that was really sunlit. I would almost call it a type of like a porch area or um, place where you can just get a lot of sun and do artwork and lounge. And it's kind of like a, a Glaston patio area. Yeah. And she was wearing a very, oh, um, I'm going to say 1890s to 1910s where she was super corseted. Everything was silk. Everything was white, but had blue um, trimming, like tr- blue satin trimming around, piping around her entire outfit. It was a high collar with long sleeves, but everything was satin white. And she Ooh. was wearing a small triangular hat on her hair, and it was all up, and it was kind of a sandy blonde. So yes, did I see her? No, but did I get what she looked like in my head? Yes. That's usually how I function when That's I see like dead a really people. pretty outfit. Yeah,
1: I know. Oh, yeah. It's just thinking. It sounds like something that a rich woman, yeah. that was a
0: philanthropist, would have. Yeah, man, and brave no to wear clue. white
2: back then when you didn't really wash your clothes. Well,
0: well here's the thing: often. in that, I'm not sure she's depicting exactly what she wore color-wise back then. Generally, spirits of the dead who have crossed over and pop in to say hello and see how things are going. I find tend to wear shades of white or cream or really light brown. Huh, it's like they okay. all just wear khakis in the uh, afterlife. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. It's khakis <laughs> for all of us. Um, but that's oh, it's how it's bland. Always, yeah, it sounds really bland, but it's actually really comforting looking. Like yeah. super comforting. So like I've seen ghosts in khakis, I literal khakis and a polo. Which I'm like, really? That's your afterlife, khakis on Apollo. Okay. But sure, dad, that was your choice. Um, I've seen, as I've explained before, I think on this show, um, a punk with the huge, huge pants, you know, the ones in the nineties, the Jekyll Jaco shorts.
2: Par- par- parachute pants? Not parachute pants. Okay. These
0: were the jeans that were really, really wide-legged. Oh, like so oh, yes. Um, um and then he had Uh, He wore a white tank top with a white fishnet top on top of it because he was very much a late 90s raver and had frosted tips and all of the uh, hardware that went along with that. All of it was in shades of white, even though usually in life he wore black and neon green and uh, and then she uh, was wearing all white with this blue piping So I just think that's just how she decided to present herself. But clearly, like, compare that to the Civil War sorcerers. No. Oh, that would make the Civil War way more interesting to everyone. Um, The Civil War soldiers that I saw from the Confederacy and from the Union, and they were wearing gray and blue. They were not wearing anything that was lighter. So, and that was at Antietam and Gettysburg. So those were spirits that had not crossed over. And uh, so, the, question: hmm.
2: You when you said you saw that guy by my shoulder that I thought was my dad? Do yes. you remember what he was wearing?
0: He was wearing a white shirt with what were kind of like an acid wash jean, but they okay. were gray, so they okay. like a light color gray. So. Okay. If they he was alive, it would have been some kind of t-shirt with mm-hmm. jeans. Yeah. But because he had crossed over, it was all white and light colored. Okay. So I'm getting a
1: I'm getting a Star Wars Return of the Jedi vibe.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's it's and it's not that they're faded. They don't look faded to me at all. No. My dad um, was totally maybe aged. slightly transparent, but yeah. uh, no. It's it's it just seems to be the way that they tell me that they've crossed over versus they haven't Hmm. it's just that's interesting yeah so
1: that that is interesting
0: and i can't if there's any other spirit mediums that see people that way then let me know i really every single one of them just every single one of us seems to have our own way of interpreting the dead yeah
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. we need we never did get it. we need to get Cindy and Monica talking about medium school sometime. And maybe mm-hmm. Christine, like we could have a meeting meeting of mediums.
0: Mm, that would be fun. It'd be even more fun to do it live, like oh, like yeah. record all of us together. Yeah. Somehow. But in person, not over in person. Courtyard. Yeah. Okay. Cuz then we will start vibing off of each other. Mm. And then we may want to have audio running i mean we would because we're recording yes, but we yes. may start getting people participating that aren't physically here
1: let's do that let's mm-hmm. let's do let's a, do a remote
0: yeah yeah i'm down you need to do a remote yeah anyway on that note <laughs> yeah thank you everyone for listening to us to this wonderful episode of the cincinnati Cabin of curiosities of the hometown haunts podcast sorry i don't know why i just lost myself uh I am Kat Coco and tonight with me are Jen Kohler and Christina Wald. You Bye. can keep up yeah, I, you can keep up with us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and at C Cabinet of Curiosities. So for myself, Jen and Christina, good night and stay spooky. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.